0: Kia ora and welcome to Legendary Conversations, a podcast by He Ako Haringa. This series explores aspects of primary care in Aotearoa, New Zealand. We have legendary conversations with legendary people, providing primary care professionals with engaging and insightful lessons. Today we're talking with Lauren Smith about antimicrobial resistance, specifically around UTI treatment. Lauren is a Senior Practice Fellow at the School of Pharmacy at the University of Otago. She is a member of the New Zealand Antimicrobial Stewardship and Infection Pharmacist Expert Group, also known as NamsiPEG, with a special interest in antibiotic stewardship. Our education lead, Andrea Copeland, caught up with Lauren recently over Zoom to talk about the current recommendations for UTI treatment and to discuss an example case study. Thanks for joining
1: us again today, Lauren. Let's dive straight in. To discuss the gold standard treatment for UTI, we'll use our hypothetical case study. Angie, a 48-year-old female, presents with symptoms of dysuria, frequency and suprapubic tenderness that started yesterday. She was well enough to attend work earlier today and has no fever, flank pain, costovertebral angle tenderness, nausea or vomiting. She had sex with her partner a week ago and last had a UTI a couple of years ago. Angie is considered to have a lower urinary tract infection. So Lauren, what are the current recommendations for treatment of uncomplicated UTI and how therefore would Angie be managed?
2: Yeah, so I guess with the guidelines for uncomplicated UTI having changed over the last couple of years, first line treatment is nitrofurantoin for very good reasons. As we all know, E. coli causes about 85% of urinary tract infections. And 99% of the community isolates of E. coli in New Zealand in 2021 were sensitive to nitrofurantoin, which is great. And also with more recently with, I guess, nitrofurantoin modified release being funded, it's much easier to prescribe this for patients. So twice daily dosing of that is much easier than the four times a day that was the immediate release. Now, the 50 milligrams immediate release is still an option and it is still available. And just to note, there is actually a formula for making a suspension for this. So if you do have patients with swallowing difficulties, that might be an option, but Really, the first line is the nitrofurantoin modified release 100 milligrams twice a day for five days. And the five days treatment is the guideline. And this is considered if you were to think of the sensitivities, you know, all being equal would be equivalent sort of effective cure rate to a three day course of trimethoprim if the bug that you were treating was sensitive to it. Moving on to the trimethoprim discussion, the first line treatment was changed because 25% of the E. coli isolates in New Zealand were resistant to trimethoprim. And so this is really important when we consider that would give us a one in four failure rate with our patients for that, which is obviously not ideal for the patient, for outcomes and also for prescribers in terms of workload if they've got patients coming back with failed treatment.
1: Right. Thanks, Laurence. So To summarize that, nitrofurantoin is now first line empiric treatment for uncomplicated UTI uh, so what would be used second line and when would you consider a second line therapy?
2: Depending on where you look, some of the health pathways do have trimethoprim as second line or they've got a couple of options for you. But in general, second line treatment would be considered to be kefalexin 500 milligrams twice a day for five days. Now, you might think, well, why don't we just use kefalexin first line? Well, I guess there are risks that are attached with using kefalexin. It is more broad spectrum compared to nitrofurantoin. And also with it being a ketalosporin, it carries that higher risk for C. diff for our patients. And it is very effective, but it is not as effective in terms of sensitivities as nitrofurantoin. So 93% of E. coli urinary isolates in the community in 2021 were sensitive to Cefalix. And I guess trimethoprim, you know, 300 milligrams once a day for three days could be considered an option for treating your patients. But in practice, I guess, due to the high resistance rates, this might be reserved for patients who you know, you've got lots of um, urinary samples that shows that the bug that they've grown is sensitive
1: to it. Okay, so trimethoprim now fits in as a third line agent, if at all.
2: Yeah, I guess depending where you look, like I said, some of the guidelines still do have it down there as the second, but from speaking to my colleagues and looking at pretty much most of the health pathways, cefalexin would be probably the favoured second line treatment, but nitrofurantoin
1: that first line. So is there anything we need to do differently now that nitrofurantoin is considered first line?
2: Yeah, definitely. So with the change of nitrofurantoin being first-line treatment, it's important to exclude any symptoms suggestive of pyelonephritis. And this is because nitrofurantoin doesn't reach therapeutic levels for systemic infections. And really, in clinical practice, its only use is for uncomplicated UTIs. This is because it concentrates highly in the urine, with about 30 to 40% of a dose being excreted rapidly into the urine unchanged. And as I said, obviously, nitrofurantoin is a five-day treatment, whereas the trimethoprim was a three-day treatment. So just remembering that difference. And I think also the other factor to remember with nitrofurantoin is that it has decreased antimicrobial activity in alkaline urine. And therefore, just to consider that in terms of not prescribing Ural or Bicarbonate or other alkalisers for symptom control, because it it will have an effect on the effectiveness of the treatment. And so in that situation, probably the counselling around extra fluid would be more valuable for that symptom control
1: of burning rather than giving them an alkalizer. That's great. Thanks, Lauren. Uh, A lot to remember there. So the main takeaway points I got out of that are that bacterial resistance to trimethoprim now greatly limits its usefulness. So in uncomplicated UTI, nitrofurantoin, and preferably the modified release formulation, is first-line treatment, and a five-day course is sufficient. And nitrofurantoin isn't used for pyelonephritis, so that has to be excluded before use, and finally, kefalexin can be used if nitrofurantoin isn't tolerated, but it isn't quite as effective as the nitrofurantoin. Does that sum it up? Yeah, yeah definitely. That's, that's, that would be my takeaway points. Brilliant. Okay, so going back to our case, how would Angie's management be different if she was already on antibiotic prophylaxis for UTI?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question because I think it's something we probably all come across a lot in practice. I think the first thing is to making sure that a culture is being taken, like an MSU, just because if they're already on prophylaxis, this is a breakthrough infection where they're already on antibiotics. So let's say, for example, if Angie was on nitrofurantoin for prophylaxis, you would take a culture, we would stop the nitrofurantoin and then we would treat with an antibiotic that isn't nitrofurantoin. So in Angie's case, And so I think it's just bearing in mind that without a culture, it'd be more appropriate to treat with a different antibiotic than the prophylaxis, because obviously this infection has actually developed whilst the patient is taking that antibiotic. Then following up the culture, so if when the culture comes back, if you're able to change it to a a narrower spectrum, that's great. Um, And then once the treatment has finished and they're better then restarting the prophylaxis.
1: Great. Thank you, Lauren. I think you've summed that up really nicely. Okay, so if this was, say, Angie's third UTI in eight months and she hadn't been on any prophylaxis, how would you manage her then? I guess this would put Angie into
2: the recurrent UTI category, which is defined as having three or more UTIs in a year or two or more in six months. And so I guess the first thing to think about is if they're having recurrent UTIs, then getting a midstream urine sample taken on each occasion that they're presenting for urinary tract infection symptoms, you know, when they become recurrent UTIs. And this is important because it helps guide treatment and it also helps to establish if the symptoms are actually a UTI, is there actually bacteria growing in the urine or, you know, I'm sure all of the diagnosticians listening, is there something else going on? So that helps in that situation. And then you would still treat empirically. And then when the culture comes back, if there's something weird grown on that culture, then at least, you know, to target the therapy.
1: Thanks Lauren. That's that's all good for the acute treatment of an infection, but what can be done longer term to prevent recurrence, assuming that Angie is doing all the right things in terms of the counselling she's been given around um, toileting, post-coital voiding and drinking lots of water, etc. So there are a few options, I guess. Treating with prophylactic antibiotics is definitely,
2: I would say, quite common, especially as a pharmacist seeing lots of patients with them prescribed in hospital and community. So yeah, I guess prophylactic treatment is definitely an option, but I think it's important to consider the risks of giving prophylactic antibiotics that isn't without risk. And I do know that it is being prescribed more, but methanamine hippurate, also known as HIPREX, was shown in the ALTER trial to be non-inferior to nitrofurantoin for prophylaxis. And also given that HIPREX is a urinary antiseptic, you don't have the same risk of resistance developing as you do with giving prophylactic antibiotics. And so, I guess also to consider if someone has recurrent UTIs, whether on prophylactic treatment or if they develop recurrent UTIs following a three-month course of prophylactic treatment, then the guidance is that a referral for a non-acute urology assessment should be sent just to make sure there isn't anything structural at play here or maybe interstitial cystitis or anything to that effect.
1: We can see from the dispensing data that we've analysed for our EPIC prescribing dashboard that some patients stay on nitrofurantoin for extended periods of time. What are your thoughts on this? nitrofiontoin can cause pulmonary and hepatic toxicity with long-term
2: use. And also there is a risk of peripheral neuropathy. And so it's really not recommended that patients stay on nitrofiontoin for longer than six months. And quite a while ago, there was a MedSafe update about this um, available to look at. Also the risk of resistance developing in that longer sort of treatment. And also, I guess, considering that need for investigation and review. So the guidance is that if you have someone on prophylactic antibiotics and they've been on it for six months, that should really get reviewed. Really, three months it should be reviewed, but you know, with the constraints on the health system, it is understandable that that might stretch out to six months. I think it's um, just recognizing that prophylactic long term nitrofurantoin isn't
1: without risk. Okay, right. So, to sum up, there methenamine or HIPREX looks to be as effective as nitrofurantoin for UTI prophylaxis and is safer. And the patient should perhaps be referred to urology if there's recurrent UTIs whilst on prophylaxis or if they have recurrent UTIs following a three-month course of prophylaxis.
2: Yeah, definitely. That's right. And just one thing I wanted to add is with the methanamine, some patients do find that they get a bit of a burning sensation. And so just bearing in mind that if they're coming back with burning sensation whilst on methanamine to consider, is this a side effect of that prophylactic treatment or is it another UTI?
1: Thanks so much for talking with me today, Lauren. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us today for this legendary conversation with Lauren Smith. You can find more free resources on antimicrobial stewardship, including the EPIC Antibiotics Dashboard, at akoheringa.co.nz. If you have an account with us, you can record your professional learning from this podcast by going to our website and pressing the capture button in the podcast page. Just go to akoheringa.co.nz and sign up for free. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed this legendary conversation. Legendary Conversations is brought to you by He Akoheringa. Music by PJ Shepard. Sound engineering by Steve Hart.